Hey, everybody. Hi. And welcome back to America's favorite, and I guess the world's second favorite, <laughs> Def Leppard podcast, Till Def Do, Do Us, us party. party. I am, as always, your co-host, Stuart Wellington, and with me is... Alex Smith. Who is also my uh, co-host. <laughs> So now, you're, you're probably your one co-host, and I'm your co-host as well. Uh, you're my co-pilot. Did I? Did, oh. I said that right. Did you say co-pilot? Wrong. Okay, let's start this over. Uh, so, of course, this is a podcast about the band Def Leppard, and we're going to talk about uh, music, laughter, love, marriage, all those things. And tonight, right out the gate, we are talking about. Album number three from the Fab Five. The English band. The English band. Alex, you're probably pretty excited. You've been talking about wanting to do Pyromania since we started this podcast four years ago. Yep. Yep. I, well, I mean, some of it I was talking about actually wanting to do actual Pyromania, wanting to actually uh, control fire and use fire to, uh, to you know, for, for personal gratification. Like what pyromania yeah. actually means. That's like what I was one of those guys half who, of the time. So you want to be one of those guys who hangs out on the quad and spins like a flaming tennis ball on a string in circles to impress all the ladies. Yeah, and dudes, uh, I guess. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I yeah, that's. I I don't I don't actually do it to impress the ladies and the dudes. To be a fire uh, dancer. A fire, fire dance is, uh, and this is this is true of pyromania as well. The definition of pyromania uh, precludes that you are that you are not doing it for personal gain. You're not doing it to get laid. You're not doing it to make money. It's not arson. Pyromania specifically means that you have a that you have like a what is it called a um, a mania a, a mate. Well, yeah, a mania. Sure, uh, that you have to start fires to to like. Uh, calm yourself or to uh to give yourself a feeling of gratification um and that's what i have that's why i dance around with a flaming tennis ball <laughs> an ooey doggy are we about it makes to... me feel like i'm in control yeah and on the subject of being in control and feeling good why don't we talk about this sweet little record <laughs> so let's do it everybody at home why don't you uh dust off your cassette player Blow all of the dust that is accumulated on the top of your Pyromania Def Leppard cassette. Blow it off and then shove it right into your player and hit play mm-hmm. because we're going to start with a banger. Rock, all right, rock. hang on. We got to talk about the cover, buddy. Oh, it's man. The... I got so excited, Alex. Thank you. Well, that's I understand because we are starting tonight with a hell of a banger. Uh, but we but we got to talk about we got to talk about this cover. We the the first part of consuming uh, a, a classic Def Leppard album is picking up the album itself and looking at the at the cover, feasting yeah. on that with your eyeballs. Yeah, holding the artwork in your hands, maybe showing it to somebody uh, that you want to like you, uh, like your parents, if you want to yeah. show them that you also have taste in artwork. Grab that Pyromania cassette tape and show them that sleeve. So, Alex, can you describe this picture for me? Yeah, uh, this is this is an airbrushed uh, rendering of a building that uh, that has it's like a high rise, like office style building, um, all glass, modern, uh, that has a fire going off, and the fire is. Uh, 
the, there, there's a scope site. It's as if you're looking through a scope, as if someone has fired yeah. a... I mean, it looks like a sniper scope, but obviously what's been fired into there has exploded. Or that or someone's watching this flame emerge from this building through a sniper scope. Either way, there, yeah. I mean, there's a there's an implied, um, you know, it, it's it's a violent image. It's an extremely violent image. Yeah, um, it's like somebody had a sniper rifle with a scope and they zoomed the scope and then they shot like an exploding barrel. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's probably um, that's probably what you would what you would assume happened from this from this image. Um, yeah. And uh, and it's it, it's it's clearly an act. As I said, it's an it's an act of, of of violence being represented. It's it's the most direct, the most forceful, the most aggressive album cover we've had from the English band up to this point. More forceful than a semi truck in outer space carrying a oversized guitar. I think so because there's a there's a mythology to that the image and there's no mythology here there's not a there's not mm -hmm. even a clear sort of um uh, unlike high and dry there's no visual pun uh the man yep. diving into a dry swimming pool uh there's not the layers of of meaning there, there's not the montage of the people watching that's kind of funny but kind of but kind of dark this is all dark this is a very dark dark image um, and speaking of darkness, there's some really great use of color because the building and the surrounding skyline is all in like cool blues. It's, and, yeah, it's uh, a very turquoise colors. But the Def Leppard logo and the album title pair perfectly with the flaming thing in the middle of the uh, middle of the cover, the big uh, the burst of fire coming out of the windows. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic design it's a really really striking beautiful design it was done by a guy named andy airfix uh mm -hmm. who uh, is that is is that his christian name that is his given name andy andy airfix and he okay. you you um he did uh, let's see he did a bunch of led zeppelin covers um he did he's done some he's done some covers you might you might have seen he did the metallica load and reload covers um oh and uh but his so he's his company is called Satori, and then he he designed the um, he designed the w what the cover would be. But then he got an airbrush artist to do the reason the colors are so striking and it has such a such a cool um, uh, the reason it pops so much is it was done by an airbrush artist named uh, Bernard Good Goodinas. Bernard Goodinus, or something like that. I don't know how to say his name. Goodinus, Goodinus. That's um, good enough for me. Yeah, it's good enough, Goodinus. And uh, I w actually watched an interview with... Uh, <laughs> I watched an interview. It's actually a phone interview, but a video of it is on YouTube with um, Andy Airfix. Uh, and... <laughs> Just in general, or is he talking about this album? It's cover specifically in an interview about him designing the Pyromania album cover, and it easily fits into my least essential interviews I've ever heard or read. Um, it is <laughs> it basically gives you the amount of information you have after this ten minute interview is that he decided what the cover would be and then hired. A guy. He doesn't even tell you Goody Nas's name. He just says, "I got a guy to do it," <laughs> and it's and that's the whole 
interview, basically. But the comments on that here, let me pull this up. The comments on that YouTube video have some real gems. And uh, and I, I want to read this one specifically because it's a little slice of life uh, uh, momentary picture of a young Def Leppard fan seeing this album for the first time. So let's all put ourselves back in 1983. It's January of yep. 1983. Uh Pyromania has just come out, and the young fans are seeing the album cover, and it's really striking. And Dreamcatcher156 on YouTube has this to say about that moment. I remember when I first saw the album cover for Pyromania. I was using the, quote, Oval Office, unquote, uh, and then in parentheses he says, Toilet, sorry for the mental picture, lol, close parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing out loud. <laughs> and then and then he says, and my brother said through the door, through the door, hey, remember Def Leppard? Here's their new album. Check it out. And it, out is in all caps. So he said, so he said, here's the new album. Check it out. And slid it under the door. And it blew my mind. I loved it from the first song to the last. I don't think an album art cover has had that effect on me ever since. Great work, Andy. Absolutely original. Uh, so I don't know if his impression of the album cover is affected by the fact that he saw it for the first time sitting on the toilet in his quote-unquote oval office. Sure, you're saying that he was like a captive audience at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like you're sitting on the toilet. It's a pretty vulnerable state to be in, and somebody shoves mm -hmm. an image of what looks like a terror attack under mm -hmm. the door, and says, by the way, this is your favorite band. It's their new album. That's a real cluster of different emotions and feelings. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that's they, a, don't call it a, they don't call it a thunder closet for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> There's one other really great comment on here. Uh, and, and here's, oh, read it. Read it. Here's Come on. what it is. Uh, it says, amazing coincidence. A blazing tall building hit in the upper floors. 9-11, anyone? <laughs> Alex, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Jet Fuel can't <laughs> melt steel beams. So this has been a great installment of comments on YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, we're going to return to your regularly scheduled podcast, uh, Definitely Leopard, the Def Leopard podcast. There's uh, two more things to say about this cover. Okay. Uh, three. Oh, wow. One is Four? one is super quick, which is just that the back cover has an image of matches being lit and lighting lighting other matches that was done by a guy named David Landslide, who we all know uh, from yeah. his um, various photographs. David Landslide. Uh, but then, all right, a few things. There there are individual shots sort of scattered around the back cover of this. Uh, I guess if you're looking at your cassette, you're folding it out, and it's inside the you know the 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 sleeve of the of the case of the cassette. But there are individual shots, performance shots of the men in the band. And the two things about this are one, Steve Clark is credited in this album as Steve Steeman Clark, quote unquote Steeman Clark. <laughs> Whoa. So at this point in his life, at least somebody out there was calling him Steeman instead of Steven, yeah. which is awesome. Uh, and then, 
And do you think that was just a mispronunciation of his name, or do you think it has something to do with how fast he plays the fretboard on that guitar? I think it's probably both. I think somebody called him Steven, and he was like, what, did you just call me Steeman? And then... <laughs> yeah, it was his mistake. Or maybe... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe he... My, my head's ringing from all this rock and roll. Did or maybe there Steven? was actual steam coming off Because of that's his... not my name. <laughs> was there steam coming off of his off of his guitar as he was playing and somebody well no i don't know that that probably at the time there were so many steve clarks playing in rock bands that they needed to differentiate them by having cool nicknames you had steve steaming clark you had steve uh, blazing clark <laughs> steve punching clark you had uh, steaming steve clark <laughs> uh you had sleeve and steve screaming clark <laughs> Completely different than Sleeve and Steam and Screeve and Skull Clark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but then, as we go through the photos of the band, we get... How many, how many more things about the album art do we have? This is the last more, one. Three more? Oh, this is the last this one. This is the okay. last one. And it's super important. Okay. Because I'm going through. I see Joe Elliott. I see Steve Steam and Clark. I see Rick Savage. Uh, not yet called Rick Sav Savage. Uh, I see Rick Allen. And then I see, not Pete Willis. Oh, what happened? But a young man, a very attractive young man, uh, in a white leather jacket, playing guitar, named Phil Collin. Phil Collin. Phil Collin. He's wearing a white leather jacket. He's not yep. wearing a, a, a vest with no shirt underneath. No, this was uh, this was pre-shirtless shirtless Phil days. So. I Okay. It's interesting. His first his first image associated with the band. He's actually wearing something covering. And this his is not the body, this is not is the weird. member of not to be confused with the member of Genesis, Phil Collins. No, that's a common mistake that people tend to make. But Phil Phil Collins is one guy. Phil Collins are two guys. Oh, there's Phil Collins is two different guys. I get. It. That's how he can write such uh, great but, music. Is that he's so got Pete a, Willis, he's got a, somebody that bounces ideas off of. So Pete Willis was kicked out of the band while they were making this album because he okay. was drunk because he was drunk all the time. Okay, because the rest of the band are teetotalers. Yep, because the rest of them were very responsible. Uh, none of them ever tied it on a little too hard. Uh, so Pete Willis is still on this album though, and he's credited. Uh, as 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 playing rhythm guitar and as a co-writer on a lot of the songs, um, one thing I I would love to say just before this is something I was just thinking about uh, as I was uh, putting my materials together to talk about Pyromania. Pete Willis has always been to me this tragic figure. I don't know if you feel the same way. I, it, it's like like an Icarus type figure. Yeah, he like. His success kind of led him to wild and crazy, uh, to a wild and crazy lifestyle, and that wild and crazy lifestyle got him kicked out of the band because he couldn't show up on time for the recording sessions, um, and they got sick of it, and they saw Phil Collin, singular, and they thought that guy looks great without a shirt on, and they got him instead. Yeah, he's um, a he's a bright young star. Yeah, and so I've always seen Pete Willis as this guy as the guy who sadly got booted from my favorite band and i've always had this real sense of pity for him and as i was getting my materials together 
to discuss pyromania, I realized, like, I'm kind of jealous of Pete Willis. If we're gonna be, if we're gonna be real about it, because you can you can be real about it, Alex. This is a safe space. All right, it's safe. So, here's what I gotta say, uh, Pete Willis. Uh, not only did he play on Pyromania, does he have? Not only does he like, he's credited on the album as as playing the rhythm guitar on it. Uh, he has he has writing credits on a lot of the songs. He has a writing credit on Photograph, like one of their biggest songs, their breakthrough sort of like their pop hit. And I was yeah, thinking, it's a huge hit. Yeah, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, I've always I've always thought Pat, Pete Willis was the saddest story in the world. And then I was like. It, <laughs> then I thought of sadder stories. Then I thought of all the sadder stories out there, like the fact that I'm a performing musician and songwriter, and I can't tell you what kinds of things I would do, Stuart, to have a writing credit on Photograph. I the I that's like that on its own. You would do terrible things. I would do terrible things. I would do wonderful things. What? Hey, let's. Let's play. Let's play a game. Ask me if I would do something, and I'll tell you whether or not I would do it to have a songwriting credit on the song "Photograph." Would you accidentally fall on your dog and injure it? <laughs> Since I've already done that, uh, I I would say I have done that, so I should get that writing credit on "Photograph." Would you uh, take your dog out to the woods and throw rocks at it until it runs away? Oh God. Oh, fuck. Ah! Would you Harry and the Hendersons? Your I dog? thought you were going to start a little, a little less rough than this. This is, this is, this is hard. Um, it's pyromania, dude. It's a writing credit on photograph. Would I throw rocks at Danny until he runs away? Do uh, can I come back later and get him? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's that's a tough clause. I didn't consider that. Uh, yeah, you you could get him, but he never looks at you the same again, Alex. Uh, that's he can see the darkness behind your eyes. That's heartbreaking. That's never trust really you heartbreaking. Um, no, I would not do that. I would not abuse my dog, and I would not. Uh, <laughs> sure. Oh, that's a that's a strong stance. A real hot take. Um, <laughs> wouldn't abuse his dog. Let me write that down. Okay, um, Alex, would you? Uh, would you? Would you? I don't got anything. I'm done. So eat, eat a really spicy uh, meatball sandwich. Uh, yeah, don't make <laughs> up your own fucking questions, buddy. <laughs> so I think it's time to press play on this mofo. Yeah, let's do it. That's industry lingo for cassette tape. And uh, wait, mo- mofo start is? with <laughs> yeah. Why don't we start with that's like the, hi-fi mofo hi-fi absolutely. Uh, we got Rock Rock Till You Drop. All right. Pause it for a second, but um, but something uh, something kind of 
cool there at the beginning is it's got like a prelude like the it's not even like a song prelude it's almost like an out al- it's it's a prelude to the album you know what i mean yeah it's a little bit of walking out music yeah there's or i i for me i always see i always see we're being like it sounds like opening credit music or something like we're being like there's there's clouds like an overture there's clouds and credits and we're and then we and then we zoom down to earth uh when the when the rock riffs kick in and then Mm -hmm. it's it's you're immediately taken to a place so because i think because the (laughs) uh let's let's hear the first let's hear the first verse let's hear what happens when it kicks in and then um and then we'll say something about like the setting here and what possibly all this means here we go All right, so um, hold on to your hat, hold on to your heart, ready, get set. Yeah, you want to hold on to both those things. Yep. So we are. So we're being transplanted somewhere. Mm-hmm. So like the so the so that opening music is is like we're is like a pan is is a is a a pan down or or something to uh, to a specific location that turns out to be kind of a seedy place. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's like the the curtain is being drawn back, and we are greeted with a carnival barker in the form of Joe Elliott. Yeah, yeah, that's he's yeah, absolutely. In this song, he is taking the place of like a, uh, or that's that's his character in this song. But he says, "Hold on to your hat, hold on to your heart, ready, get set to tear this place apart. Don't need a ticket. Only place in town that'll take you up to heaven and never bring you down. Anything goes, anything goes. So it's kind of some kind of wild." Uh, orgy in a in a carnival tent or something um sure he's like uh he's like a charon taking ferrying you on to the afterlife mm-hmm. and never to return uh how wait in who's who's charon charon is the bo- the oarsman on the river sticks okay okay i got you so Who ferries you on to hades Okay, and is Hades like a cool place where there's women to the left, women to the right, there to entertain and take you through the night? Well, there's definitely women because it's you know it's it's a bun- it's the afterlife, so everybody's down there. Uh, you're saying I don't women, know about the you're saying women uh, go to go to Hades? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that everyone goes to Hades. Okay, and I believe in equality, Alex. I don't <laughs> know about you. Okay. So, as far as so, entertaining... So, you believe women have souls, is what you're saying. Oh, certainly. <laughs> well, within the Greek the Greek mytho- uh, Greek pantheon, uh, modern women, mm, not so much. Yeah. Uh, so, you talk about entertaining and taking you through the night. I don't even know what that means, Alex. You'll have to explain more. Women to the uh, left, women to the right, there to entertain and take you through the night. Grab a little heat and come along with me. I don't know what grab a little heat means. That's a... It's always been a bit of a mystery to me. Maybe it's a nice, um, n- nice warm cup of cocoa or coffee. <laughs> that's nice. It's going to be a long night. Oh, that's nice. You think they have a little? Th- they have a little bev station there at the at the front, so you can just grab a little nice hu- hot cup of coffee as you walk yeah, in. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because uh, your mama don't mind what your mama don't see. So that's true. It's nice that your mom's not in Hades yet. 
Mm-hmm. It's got to suck when she gets there because you've got to you got to tone your behavior down quite a bit at that point. Mm-hmm. And she'll um, get there and she'll be she'll be emotionally crushed because her child died before she did. <laughs> uh, really hilarious. Let's move on. Rock, rock till you drop is the name of the song, and it's how the chorus goes as well. And we're going to hear that chorus. All right, we got to talk about something real quick, Stuart. Uh, okay. Right off the gate. Yeah, um, what's, uh, what's on your mind, Alex? Or sort of, I guess we're sort of into the gate here. We're sort of deep. Yeah, we're halfway we're, through. We're halfway, in, halfway down onto the gate. Uh, I, I don't want to get too heavy here, too serious right away. But yeah, we've, we, we've talked about some serious stuff already, but I guess we can keep moving. But well, I don't, and I don't want to continue that trend. But I do, I think we need to talk about the way that Joe Elliott says "danger" in that in the line "riding into danger," <laughs> laughing all the way. He goes "riding into danger," and uh, is it because he's nervous about saying the word "danger"? Do you think, or he doesn't know how to, he didn't read his lyric sheet? I, it it's almost like he yeah it's almost like he caught the word at the wrong time or he was or maybe he was taking a sip of his of his coffee um as he says it but here's him saying danger <laughs> so he goes he says like dinger or something it's like dinger instead of danger <laughs> and that's weird that's a weird way to say that word maybe it's uh like a britishism like lift or uh biscuit they say dinger I think they say dinger. Yeah. <laughs> I'll need some verification, though. Somebody, uh, I guess, listeners, listeners in uh, in England, why don't you write me a letter? How and do you say? Send it to the fucking Marines because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say danger? Do you say dinger? Uh, do you say dinger? So what's that? What's that verse all about, Alex? Laughing about all the riding way. into danger and laughing all the way. Fast, free, and easy living for today. Got a lip service, get it while you can. Hot, sweat, and nervous, love on demand. Anything goes, anything goes. Rock, rock till you drop, basically. And that's what, and that, that's the bulk of the song there. I think, yeah, there's, there's not really any more, uh, any more exposition going like, on. It feels like this is, is meant to be Def Leppard's warm up music. And, uh, it seems like it's the sort of thing that they're going to be playing every time they come out to play a live concert. It's what a great, think, yeah. Alex? It's a great opener. It's yeah. It's really great opener. Um, and it it just it's sort of welcoming you to a world that is dangerous and sexy and um, mm-hmm. and a little a little off. But it's also it's also pretty dark. I gotta say, um, there's a this whole uh, this whole thing of I mean the love and the sex and the um, and the fun in previous Def Leppard songs has generally been in a, like, in a relationship situation or in a, uh, at least in, like, dating or, or partying with somebody that you know by name. And, uh, and I think it's, it's really worth noting here that, uh, that the women in this song are just to the left and to the right there to entertain. Like, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty, like, uh, 
You're talking about objectification? Absolutely. It's a very, yeah, yeah. It's the, there's a lot of objectification going on here. Well, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but at this point in their careers, Def Leppard had been, they were so popular that they were all single guys. Yeah. Any of them that had been married previously, they were divorced. And they it was just a like an endless buffet of beautiful ladies to entertain them. Yeah, on the left, and, and on the uh, right. you know, and and Joe Elliott had 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 clearly had his heart broken several times uh, mm-hmm. in the over the course of the last album. Um, I think if you listen if you listen to the end of High and Dry, he's he's shouting no no no, and um, uh, that's the song no 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 ends with what we concluded was the sound of him running away. And uh, I think the what we could conclude just from this opening song is that he yeah. has abandoned maybe the dating world. He's abandoned mm-hmm. uh, any sense of responsibility towards women or towards society, and he's he's living in a in a kind of crazed circus orgy, uh, like something out of a shitty Motley Crue video or something. Yeah, like he runs he runs away from society into the desert, only to chance upon. A glittering oasis, a yeah. carnival tent of uh, carnal delights and uh, wondrous entertainments. Lip service, hot sweat and nervous, whatever that, whatever mm-hmm. nervous has to do with it. Um, love on demand, great stuff. So let's put a pin in this piece. Can we hear the? Fire up. Can we hear the solo? Oh, sure, yeah. Because yeah. there's actually here's a. Here's a great line. Um, his ad-libbing on Pyromania, worth worth noting, his ad-libbing has been, it's not just up a notch. It's like, it's like in a it's whole like different at least two, maybe category two notches. of notches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on this one, I thought for a long time that what he said here right before the solo starts is uh, lip sounds. <laughs> I thought that he yelled <laughs> lip sounds. And I want to just play that and get get your opinion on whether or not he's yelling lip sounds. Here we go. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's pretty clear. He shouts out lip sounds really loud. He shouts out lip sounds, and then the solo starts. Yeah, uh, which is which is pretty. I don't cool. really understand what that means in the context of the song, but you know, uh, my ears don't lie, Alex. I imagine when you go into this tent of hot sweat and nervous love on demand, that you probably hear a lot of lip sounds. That's probably like the most, especially with that beverage station right there at the front of it. I mean, I would say for the most part, when you're interacting with other human beings, you hear a lot of lip sounds. Yeah, you sure do. Uh, but but there's people probably heating up some soup there. Uh, there's people making out. There's guys getting blowjobs. You hear a little bit of like a little bit of lips lip slap rapping. Probably uh, some cocaine, some cocaine tongues licking the licking those lips. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really smooth tonight. Yeah, I've had a long day, folks. But uh, let's. I think at that point we can move on to song number two. Okay, and what a song it is. Let's snap a picture of this sweet piece, because it's called Photograph. Photograph. (laughs) 
So first, first thing, that opening, that intro, there's some drum, there's some like reverse snare drum flams that are like yeah. that are a game changer, man. They were like, those are. Uh, I don't think I'd ever heard drums played like that at that point, uh, and it sounds there's so, so much, cool. Uh, there's so much, uh, so much swagger in that guitar guitar work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a little. It's got a little rhythm that just sounds like hips moving. Yep. Which is uh, weird because because uh, this song is about someone whose hips aren't moving. This song is about someone who's oh, okay. still in a photograph. But maybe some maybe someone's hips actually are moving because this song is about a good old fashioned wank session. Oh, so this this what you're saying is the song photograph is all about Joe Elliott. Cracking open a magazine, seeing a photograph, and just going to town on himself. Yeah, having a wank, mate. Um, I'm out of luck, out of love, got a photograph, picture of, passion killer, you're too much, you're the only one I want to touch. I see your face every time I dream, on every page, every magazine, so wild, so free, so far from me, you're all I want, my fantasy. Oh, look what you've done to this rock and roll clown. Uh, so yeah, he's what a certainly, line, certainly clown. He's certainly clowning around with his junk. <laughs> that's that's what I usually say when I get caught masturbating, which is quite frequent. <laughs> you say, "Look what you've I done to say, this rock and roll clown." I say, "I'm just clowning around, guys. Come on!" <laughs> and the police do not think it's funny. Yeah, well, they they have, they have a terrible sense of humor for that kind of stuff. So um, you're saying that this is a song all about looking at a beautiful woman in a magazine and uh, followed by a little bit of onanism. Uh, so in some ways, it's similar to Van Halen's I'll Wait. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's very similar to that. Um, in fact, I would, I would argue they ripped off Def Leppard for that, that whole concept. They, they saw the success of Photograph, and they just decided to write a very similar uh, strikingly similar song but instead of but they threw out the guitars and just played a bunch of keyboards yeah 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 so again we're seeing some distance again joe elliott not engaging with women at all uh-huh. but he's uh he's like detached there's a level of detachment here he's getting addicted to pornography instead of going out on a date with a vampire lady or princess die yep. you know what i mean mm-hmm uh, so that's so. This is the this is the dark part of pyromania. This is why like we're we're dealing with uh, like uh, behavior that is self gratifying, like you know, like pyromania, but isolating, right? And I, yeah, and isolating like pyromania. It's that that's what the that's what the title I I think means, and that's where I think we're going with this. Is we're 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 putting a wall up between ourselves and society and especially between ourselves and or between Joe and women. So he's just, instead of going out on a date, he's beaten off to a photograph. Not that there's yep. anything wrong with that in general. And this was a huge hit. I think mm-hmm. the entire world were able to identify with that feeling of just wanting to go off, hide somewhere, crack open, uh, crack open a funny book and just knock one out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's probably a more relatable uh, idea 
than a lot of the other stuff that they sing about, whether it's more lighthearted or or involves Joe Elliott being able to date or get any woman that he wants. And that's a little harder to identify with than just the idea of somebody cracking open a magazine and rubbing one out. Yeah, it's like Superman singing a song about being Superman. Like, I'm not Superman. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, but when he sings a song about how sad he is that he's Superman, then you're like, oh, I've been sad, even though I can fly. Is he the singer for Three Doors Down? Is that who sings that song? Um, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, Probably. I'm, I'm a lou- I think that song's about how he's a lousy father or something like that, or maybe yeah. I just associate Three Doors Down with lousy fathers. But anyway, let's move on. Do you want to hear? Uh, what's, uh, do you want to hear any? Uh, we haven't heard the chorus of Photograph, which is a, a crime. We should be in jail for that. Yeah. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's move so on to one o four, where the chorus happens. But this this has this has a a pretty advanced sophisticated song structure where there's there's the verse and then there's like a pre-bridge and there's a bridge and then there's a chorus uh which a lot of these songs are are structured like that where there's a really really like there's a ton of stuff going on so you have the i'm out of luck out of love got a photograph picture of that's the verse um then you get to the i see your face every time i dream that's more that's like that's almost like a second verse or something. Yeah, that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh it's higher pitched and it's getting you it's amping yeah. you up. Yeah, and it could and and in a it, for a lesser band, that could be that would be the chorus. Mhm. But we're talking about Def Leppard here. So we're it's talking like, about the best band in the universe. Yeah. Uh so it's so they just were like, okay, that'll be the, you know, we'll get we'll get somewhere even better than that here in a minute. And then they got the oh look what you've done to this rock and roll clown. It's like a little, almost like a, it sort of breaks down a little bit at that moment. It's like a, I don't know, it's almost like electronic music or something. And it's a little bit self-deprecating, too, like, yeah, you know the ladies are like, oh, he thinks he's a clown. Yeah. Look what he's you've done. He's just clowning around, masturbating. <laughs> it is probably the cutest anyone's ever sounded while masturbating, is to, say, is to say that. And then, of course, we have... The chorus right here. What was the what was the last line there in the uh, the uh, chorus? But it's not enough. Oh, okay. And then the second verse, I'd be your lover, or I, however we want to say this. I'd be your lover if you were there. Put your hurt on me if you dare. That's pretty cool. Such a woman, you've got style. You make every man feel like a child. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's that's what I think of a stylish woman. It's making me feel like a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because that's that's when we're at our most childlike is when we're masturbating. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there's a great solo in this, but I, you know what? We might we might want to just move past photograph. I mean, this is a song that everyone has heard a uh, uh, half a million times. Yeah, it's it's but, pretty uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's also an amazing song. It's yeah, it's an incredible it's an incredible sounding song. It's a uh, it's beautiful. Um, 
and uh and it's got this great like uh solo into a um in, into like a little build up at the end it's it erupts at the end the way that you might expect a you know a, a real session to <laughs> A lot of a uh, lot of euphemisms. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we are going to finish up. We are going to climax with photograph <laughs> and move on to uh, song number three on the album, "Stage Fright." Stage Fright, song number three. another live track oh yeah yeah they recorded this live so live cut so Def Leppard's done this a couple times in their albums right where they include some audience noise on studio tracks yes I think they've done it I think this is the third time they've done it though I can't remember it definitely happens on um, on uh, Rocks Off and then I feel like there's another place where there's like a little band, the, or there's a little applause at the end of it. But I can't remember what the other one is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's something that they like. Uh, it's it's worth mentioning for real that um, that the whole that part of the hype around Def Leppard as they were coming out was that they were like, uh, w- you know, they were a really good live band. So I yeah. think there was probably some pressure uh, from. Like, and that's continued to this day. Oh, absolutely. I think I mean the I I've seen them recently and they were as good as I've ever seen them, if not better. Uh but they um I think that maybe the producers and stuff wanted them to, you know, uh capture some of that that live fire of a of a crowd clapping along or whatever. Um this is a this song is kind of They're a, like one of those uh one of those like fish bands or Yeah, they're a lot like fish. Or um, like the Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. in or that, a Pearl uh, Jam, uh, in that you don't really get it until you until you see them live. Yep, that's um, what I hear. But luckily, we've both seen them live, so we totally get it. Mm-hmm. So, stage fright, stage fright. Joe Elliott continues his role as the Carnival Barker character, kinda, ex- except that uh, he's. It, this is this song is spooky. This is a scary. Scary song, uh-huh. and it's kind of gr- it's a little gross, actually, too. Uh, okay, in in what sense? Well, he's basically like he's accusing a woman of stage fright for not just like immediately fucking him. Maybe maybe that we're in this like carnival oh. tent or whatever. Um, but he's saying it's stage fright is why she won't like take you know take the leap uh, with him, and it gets you know, and that on its own wouldn't be like you know. Uh, there are a ton of songs out there about uh, trying to get women to do stuff with you, but this one, this one gets a little. This one gets pretty like gross at the end. I gotta say, like he uh, he crosses so a line. It, it's it starts <laughs> it starts off not gross and then gets gross, or the whole time it's gross and then gets worse. Um, I don't know. I that that I would that I would need a. Uh, you know, I need to sure. hear from hear from perhaps a lady who's been in this position. Sure. So let's let's pull up uh, that first verse. You're holding on to me while I'm on fire. Yep. If you can't stand the heat, then you should try. <laughs> victim of <laughs> my vices, you. <laughs> victim of my vices, you know you are. 
You skate on ice to paradise. Stairway to the stars. Mm -hmm. And then stage fright all night. Won't you let go? All night stage fright. On with the show. He's saying, quit messing around. Quit fucking around. Let's let's do this. Let's um, take that ice trip to paradise. Mm -hmm. All the way to the stars by a staircase. You want to hear the you want to hear the chorus of this? I would love to hear the chorus, Alex. It's a it's a really like pretty chorus in an otherwise very heavy song that has kind of like a menacing uh the the verses of this sound very menacing to me and then the and then the chorus is like just very kind of uh sweet and attractive say the music in the uh the difference between the music in the chorus and the verse those verse it's all business man you gotta chugga chugga yeah yeah moving moving the song forward whereas during the uh during the chorus that's the uh throw a little bit of a like a light show like a like a starscape on the ceiling mm -hmm. take a second just kind of sway back and forth yeah um it's yeah it's it's uh like i said it's just like sweeter in the in the chorus and then um and then it's mean. I thought you and said the chorus was scary. No, I said the song was a little scary, a little gross. Okay. I mean that the chorus has like a um, has like a more attractive uh, charm to it, whereas the whereas the verses just they they sound more, they sound more metal. Like this is way coming out of you know coming out of photograph. This is like a way more metal song if you're just listening to the verses. And then um, yeah. you come on like a lady. Dressed to kill. Never thought you could be caught, but you will. Some some questionable choices of uh, of language here. A little understanding, a little love, a headline act around the back is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, Never heard of that before. <laughs> Stuart, what do you think that means? What do you think a headline act around the back? I can't even begin to speculate, of? Alex. I think if I were to make a guess, I would end up coming off like a real jerk. <laughs> uh, back to the chorus, stage fright all night, won't you let go, all night stage fright, on with the show. And, uh, uh, alright, um, I want to get to, there's a really awesome, the, this, this song musically goes somewhere really awesome that I want to listen to, but the the last verse is where, like I said, I think it gets... Um, a little, it's a little goofy, but then it gets a little gross. So he says, you're going for my head. You're going down. You're going to give me a beager, uh, getting good at get at being bad. You're hanging around. So I think she's, so it sounds like she's get, she's getting into it. She's accepting the pressure here. A fun inspired asylum <laughs> toys for the boys. Uh, that's just crazy. What does that mean? What is a fun inspired asylum? mean toys for the boys are we still yeah, in the are we still in the carnival tent of orgies and if so what what are the toys for the boys uh 
and I don't know. I also don't know a fun inspired asylum. Is that an ins- asylum that's inspired by fun, or it's fun and also inspired? So it's like it's, <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff going on. What do yeah, you think? I think I think that's what it's saying. I think it's inspired by something, and it's but it manages to be fun. So it's uh, maybe it's inspired by uh, I don't know, like the fifties, like greasers and greaser culture. <laughs> Hot rods. That it's sounds like pretty Greece. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A fun, inspired. You know, but like also... uh, like the bad guys in like a Stephen King novel. Yeah, they're all yeah. they all have muscle cars and pompadours. A fun, inspired asylum. Toys for the boys. Love on the rocks. Forget me nots. Now, uh, we have to mention I. Got my lyrics this time because I was not happy. I was not satisfied with the lyrics that are available just sort of around the net. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the lyric side. Well, you've always mentioned that you're distrustful of information you find on the internet. I am. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm very I'm very distrustful of things that are written down because I've heard that some of it's not true. Now, yeah, you're kind of an internet truther, right? I, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I walk around saying, oh, well, did you hear that on the internet? <laughs> Come on. But um, this... That's a pretty good impression of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this last line uh, is... And, and I'm sorry, what I was saying was I got these lyrics off the Def Leppard website, defleppard.com. Yeah, um, .org. And they're... They're very, very incomplete. A lot of them will miss. They, they'll, they'll do the chorus one time, but then they'll skip it. They'll skip any like additions or ad libs that happen with the chorus. These are these are miserably incomplete lyrics. I have to say on the Def Leppard website, and I'm very disappointed by that. I don't know who's running that site, but get get your shit together. But then also, there's a wrong line here. A fun inspired asylum, toys for the boys, love on the rocks, forget me nots, you got no change, is what the lyric sheet says. I don't know if your lyric sheet says that. That's what it says, Alex. It says you got no change? That's ridiculous. What does he say? He says you got no choice, because that rhymes with boys, and because it makes sense. In the context of the song. Uh, You got no change makes me think that somebody at the label didn't like him saying you got no choice because he's i mean he's literally saying like i'm going to rape you if you decide to back out at this point uh which is fucked up that's what i meant when i said it's gross like this song this song is from a very dark place and a very like you know what alex i think you're right it is kind of gross yeah it totally is uh but but what but but the the lighter side of of how gross that is is that obviously somebody just wrote just like crossed out you got no choice and wrote change there so change this line and then they were just like oh so you mean you want <laughs> you want us to put change instead of choice there so it's like she has no she has no pocket change she has no coins for the machine for the bev station or whatever um yeah but that makes no sense anyway uh personally I think this song is problematic. Um, I, I don't want them to change the lyric sheet of that line because I think that what he's saying should be clear. Um, it's a, it is, there's something really gross going on in this song, but I think that he's trying to create uh, like, a, like, a dark, like a really dark song. 
I think this song is supposed to be dark. Oh, so you're, you're, you're saying it's coming from a place of honesty, so it's hard to be mad at the song. Yes. Yes, I'm, okay. saying, that, I'm saying that we are in the morally dark part of the story. We are where Joe is sort of at his lowest. Or, mm-hmm. or, or he's approaching his lowest because he because he goes lower on this album. But this whole album is very is very dark. It's very cut off. It's very like nihilistic, and he he says and does some gross shit um, on this one. So on stage fright was is there anything musically interesting for you? Yes, yes, there is a um, fantastic. Uh, I just well I just wrote three nineteen awesome, and it's this like little explosion thing that happens that's great So who uh, who do we get to thank for that sweet little guitar solo thing at the end there? Um, I don't know. I mean, the Phil Collin is the um, you know, is the Phil Collin and Steve, Steve and Steve, are um, are both lead guitarists on here, and it's a little hard to to know for sure which one of them is doing which solos, but. Uh, but I will say well, this. You've, you've seen these guys live before. They probably play Stage Fright every time they do a live show. Uh, I don't think they do. Oh, okay. Maybe it's because of the problems you mentioned before. Yeah, lyrically. it's problematic. It also has a lot of really super high notes for Joe. And, um, I mean, one time I saw them, he was just coming off having laryngitis. And so um, I, th- I think maybe, they, maybe he avoids songs with uh, too many big big high you know sebastian yeah, Bach-y kind of no- notes um but the i will say we've phil collin has joined the band and this album there's there's like what i what i like to call lil a lil solo um <laughs> yeah at the at the end of most of these songs which is probably um i, I don't know if pete didn't want to do stuff like that or if they just somebody just suggested, hey, while you're while you're doing the outro or while you're doing the chorus for the, you know, the you know, while you're doing the faster sped up chorus, bigger chorus at the end, you should also have another solo happening. But that's not something they've been doing a lot. But all of these songs have little solos there at the it's, end as they it's wrap like up. a little little walking out music at the end. Yeah. As they as they wrap up, there's there's there's, you know, just little guys. Mm-hmm. Uh so that was an awesome ending to a yeah. problematic and gross song. Let's go to uh, let's go to something called "Too Late for Love." It's track number four. Across the street, 
Mysterious, right? Yeah, it it gives me uh, lyrically. It gives me a feeling similar to like when the walls came tumbling down. Mm-hmm. Where it's uh, they're they're trying to trying to add a little bit of gravity there to the opening there with the uh, the bars of silence and then the sound of wind and then uh, the uh, the vague mentions of you know Joe kind of standing and witnessing a. Uh, you know, trying to paint up paint a word picture of a of a town in confusion or a, a world in confusion. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it's very the, the, the lyrics are very cryptic. Somewhere in the distance, I hear the bells ring. Darkness settles on the town as the children start to sing. The lady crossed the street. She shuts out the night. There's a cast of thousands waiting as she turns out the light. Um, and then the chorus, but it's too late, too late, too late for love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, so it's pretty cryptic, but we're going to get to the bottom of that because that's what we do around here at Tildaf yeah. Duas Party. So, Alex, what's this song all about? Uh, I have two incomplete theories. Okay, let's see if we can build on that. Actually, I might have three incomplete theories, but the the first one, the big one, the main one, is that this song is about him watching Princess Di get married. Um, after they'd have after they've they'd had a very secret affair that only I know about, uh-huh. um, uh, because there's just you know it, it's London boys are gazing as girls go hand in hand. That's this is the second second verse. Uh, the queen of the dream stands before them all. She stretches out her hand as the curtain starts to fall. Uh, it's there's a a sense of of doom. There's a sense that um, that it's well, obviously that it's too late for love, and then there's yeah, also there's these a certain, rituals. There's a certain the, melancholy, and a li- and also a, a certain amount of pageantry, or uh, with the way that all every action is described as if it's uh, part of some kind of larger drama. Yeah, and a, and a ritual going on. So darkness settles on the town as the children start to sing. Why are there children singing? Is this a Christmas song? And I don't think so. Uh, because there's not really any joy in it, and um, and there's and there's some kind of, there is some kind of ritual happening. There's bells okay. ringing. Um, there's a uh, actor and the clown are waiting for their cue. That's from the third verse. Uh, I don't know who the actor and the clown are. Um, so it's, as I said, my, my my theory is incomplete. But I think that there's an, there's another thing suggested here. Because he mentions a lady in the second couplet of each of these verses. Yeah. The lady crossed the street in the first verse, who shuts out the night. The queen of the dream, who stretches out her hand as the curtain starts to fall in the second verse. And then in the third verse, the lady in the second couplet is the lady over there who's acting pretty cool. <laughs> so, so it's like he, it's like he ran out of like magical, you know, cryptic, uh, descriptions. Uh, and just <laughs> the last one was like, ah, she's acting pretty cool somehow. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think it's possible that, that these are poetic, uh, he's, that he's dissing ex-girlfriends, like various ex-girlfriends. 
with like inside jokes. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that this song continues the tradition of uh, like the carnival or stage terms that are being used in the album so far. And he refers to a clown again, most likely himself. You know, yeah, from I when he was about, just clowning around. Too. Yeah, uh, whether he's whether he is the clown, but then he says, "Standing by the track trapdoor, aware of me and you, are the actor and the clown. They're waiting for their cue." I think they're it looking at the mirror, like dude. They're different people, but nope. oh my god, Stuart! Looking at the mirror, you and are the, mirror, the actor as the audience and the member. Mirror, the mirror is the trap door. Yeah, it's the trap door that's going to swing open and hang us all. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's brilliant, Stuart. Yeah, you're you're welcome. So. So the actor would be his whoever ex-girlfriend. Sure. And the clown. And they're and they're aware of themselves. They're very yeah. aware of themselves. Um and then a lady over there, she's acting pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who's that? So we got a and we got a chorus that's uh let's say kind of lame. Wait a minute. What do you mean there? I just think that there's not a lot to it. I mean, it's uh, for a song with such heavy verses. They why did they choose to go with such a simple chorus, especially after songs like Photograph, where you're like, are there four choruses? What's going on here? Well, I think maybe they wanted um, maybe they wanted to give you a, a breather, a little space, um, something a little simpler uh, in which you can re- in which you can kind of relax. I guess you're um, right. I, I was a little too I, maybe I was a little bit harsh on Too Late for Love. I think you were way too harsh, man. Yeah. I'm I'm pissed off. Uh but let's hear let's hear that chorus. Um and we're about to go into a really cool little um I, I don't even know what it's called i just call it the ooh section where they go oh, 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 oh um which is uh which is awesome they pull in a full greek chorus to provide some kind of chanting or maybe i guess that yeah, would be some, a greek chorus uh, uh, yeah more like a more like a a, a gaggle of monks sure. what do you think what do you think their motivation is there when they're going oh uh i think they are uh, they're basically supporting joe elliott and his chastening of the woman that has hurt his feelings so badly <laughs> yeah and do you or do you think they're responding to his diss of her by being like oh yeah i think it's like a oh i i kind of assumed it was a oh! I thought it was like, like a verbal, like, uh, like finger wagging, a verbal finger wag. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. There are, I don't know, there are a few other parts here. This, uh, there's a great breakdown and a solo. Um, let's see, what would be the best? Yeah, I would say I think the the solo really stands out on this track.
That was a really snappy, uh, kind of sensual solo. Like it, 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 you know, blew into something kind of uh, for a song that's been very melancholy. That was like a that was kind of um, it was kind of sexy even, and it was great. Uh, although you say it sounds snappy, and I think it sounds a little bit sad. And because of that, I was assuming it was Steve. I always associate Steve with sadder guitar solos. Really? Steam yeah. and Steve? Steam and Steve. The steam is coming off his hot tears dripping onto his <laughs> guitar. <laughs> That's totally why he's called Steam and Steve. Yeah. It's because he's always crying. And his guitar is so hot, it's, it's a, it turns him into steam. Yeah. Okay, so that's too late for love. Do you have anything else you want to close out the uh, close out the discussion of the song with? No, I just want to say one um, one thing about the the fact that it fades out. Um, which, yeah. hey, for all for all you fellow boring people like myself, mm -hmm. uh, this is the first fade out that we've had by Def Leppard. This is the first song that has uh, just disappeared into driven off into the ether. Uh, without without cutting off. What about where um, he's just running off, shouting "No, no, no"? That's not. I don't think that counts as a fade out. Yeah, that's like that's an echo more like effect. a. Yeah, that's more like a run. He's running away or something. Yeah. Um, but the music had the music stops very clearly and very cleanly. This it's like it's as though it goes on forever. It's as if he's trapped in this melancholy world forever, which again is a very dark fucked up thing yeah so we're in a we're in a a pretty rough rough place here and it's only gonna get rougher because we're about to be hunted by die hard the hunter track five track five last track on this album or on this side of the album Guitar's really quacking. Okay. Um, so we got to the uh, we've gotten to the song about war and stuff on this album, huh? Yeah. Well, it's sort of about war. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, um, the song does open with, like, stylized air raid sirens and, uh, like, helicopter noises. Uh, yeah, and they and the um, and the boys, the English band, the boys in, in Def Leppard, yep. they, they sing the word, the first word of the song is shotgun, <laughs> um, which is pretty weird, because I've never heard of anybody going off to war with a shotgun, at least not recently. Um or being uh, being off in the jungle far far away and uh and holding a shotgun that seems that seems maybe a off maybe to they me. were reading the uh the, the the VFX cues that are on their on their call sheet and it said gunshot but they all as a group misread it as shotgun <laughs> yeah 
That's probably what happened. That's a pretty reasonable explanation for it. Um, let's welcome home the soldier boy from far away, far away. No angel of mercy, just a need to destroy. Far, fire away, fire away, far away to fire away. Um, yeah. I say he says, "Let's toast the hero with blood in his eyes." That's a little sarcastic. That's a little mean spirited. I uh-huh. think. Um, the scars on his mind took so many lives. Die Hard the Hunter. So Die Hard the Hunter is the name of the soldier boy yep. who fought in like Vietnam or something and is coming back uh Wasn't that a uh, wasn't that the home. name of a wasn't that the name of a character in uh in like Young Blood, the Rob Layfield comic book? Is it? Uh I'm gonna say I think so. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about that. So uh, I mean, this maybe was many I should, years beforehand. So this was many. Oh, th- this song was many years before what you're talking about. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So Rob Layfield uh, probably I mean, was inspired by this song. Because because uh, let's 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 lay this out as what it is, uh, which is a which is a pretty well known story. It's about this song is about PTSD. It's about. Yeah, it's about a soldier who comes home and can't stop uh, living like he's at war. But it's PTSD living with kind of a twist. <laughs> yeah, the the first couple of verses, you think it's just Rambo, right? You think they're yeah. just talking about Rambo, right? Put down your pistol, put down your toy. They can take your gun away from you, but they can never take away your attitude. Um. You've got no enemy, no front line, the only battles in the back of your mind. You don't know how to change from bad to good. You brought the war to your neighborhood. Now, reading this and having heard the opening, like, little intro part, you might not know how sassy all of this stuff actually is, all of this really fucked up stuff he's talking about. Yeah. You might not know uh, the tone of it. So let's let's get a taste of the tone of Die Hard the Hunter once it kicks in. So this is the this is the second real verse after the sort of intro part. So, um, back on the city, he's a man on the loose. He is the shadow that's a following you. Uh, he takes no prisoner. It says that's a following you. Mm-hmm. He takes no prisoners when he's hunting for game. He's got a bullet and he, and it carries your name. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we get that. You can't do that part again after that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Um, and then the chorus is die hard, caught in a trap. Hunter, there's no looking back. Die hard, he hides in the crowd. Hunter, <laughs> die hard and proud. Let's hear that. So... Die hard, caught in a trap. Die hard, there's no looking back. I'm sorry. I already read those. Here. Uh, here's, here's what's weird about this one, right? It's, it's like it, it's like you keep going back to something you've already done, similar to Die Hard, the yeah. hunter, who's still trapped in the war that he's, uh, he thinks he's still fighting. 
I've been I've been PTSD'd by my own uh, by my PTSD own need explanation. To, by my own need to read lyrics over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, which I guess is less of a serious compulsion. Yeah. Compulsion is the word I was looking for. Oh an my hour god! Ago. <laughs> to go back and and just edit that in. <laughs> yeah. So so Die Hard the Hunter is a meaty song. This is the longest song on the album. It's yeah, it's it's long and I want to I want to hear the really cool um little solo part at the end, but the uh, I mean pretty much the only thing that that I have to say about this song is it's like it's like Rambo the story is basically like Rambo if Rambo instead of coming home to uh you know to be a misunderstood hero in a in an indifferent world this is Rambo if he came home and decided to literally hunt people, um, which is kind of messed up. It's a messed up, uh, not just me- it's messed up, yes, to hunt people, but it's also messed up to say that uh, PTSD causes people to become like shadowy, cold-blooded killers or whatever. Not that they haven't, not that people struggling with that haven't killed anybody, but... Um, sure. Well, you're saying that instead of uh, portraying this this character as a as a uh, a sad figure who is coping with uh, the things that he's uh i guess been forced to do that he has allowed those to turn him into a killing machine yeah he's a killing machine he's a he's a monster and and the song is not taking the position of um it's not the the tone of it is not like isn't it a shame what's happened to this guy that he can't be socialized anymore it's it's literally like there's a scary guy who's walking around shooting people like it's it that's the um that's the story that's the message yeah um is and i and i think it's i think it in many ways it wraps up side a the reason it's the the end of side a is it is it it's a pure example of sort of unchecked masculinity and that's what I think the rest of the songs are also about. And this is like the most potent one, kind of the most, uh, the most violently disturbing, um, yeah. if not the most sexually disturbing. Yeah, it certainly it, it it focuses on the idea of a man who is uh, has gone off and to a uh, an uncivilized world and returned back to civilization, and he has been changed and unable to interact with it normally. Not unlike the, the 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 character from the earlier songs who has run from love, right? Only right. He can't ident- He can't connect with it anymore in a normal way, right? I mean, Joe Elliott has certainly been fighting a battle against eating pussy for this whole yep. this whole a- time, as referenced in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you have more to add? No, that was all I had to say. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> I know that's a surprise. Sure. Uh, so what about, uh, we got any sweet solos in this piece, Alex? We do. We have a, a, a bonanza of, of solo and... Our cup runneth over with solos. Yeah, there's like, um, I don't even know how to play all of this uh, without, without just playing a ton of the song, um, which is kind of frowned upon. But, I don't think that's legal. Why don't you just play your favorite part? I'm just going to play it at four minutes. I'm going to see where we are in this in this hole. It basically ends with there's a long, extended, um, progressive 
dueling guitar solo thing. Um, and then it, it builds back to another chorus that goes, that, that basically ends the song. And then there's a little special treat there at the end, but here, let's hear what happens at four minutes. so sweet it just kind of keeps building on itself you know yeah it, it, it keeps building on itself but also there's like a there's you can see the you can see uh steve clark and phil collin two two dudes getting to know each other as as uh soloists as as lead guitarists in this band they're like puppies playing with each other uh they there's a there's a little lick that starts out when that breakdown happens. Then a guy solos over that lick, and then the other guy starts soloing over the other guy's solo there, uh, which was I don't know. I think that's I think that's awesome. That that's uh, musically some of the the most um, fun and interesting things we've heard so far on the album. Yeah, no, it's super great, and it 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 brings to mind almost two birds meeting in the sky. And learning to fly together. Oh wow, that was much more beautiful and less stupid than my analogy of two puppies <laughs> playing with each other. Anything to close out uh, your final thoughts on Die Hard: The Hunter? Uh, no, I, I think I want to. I want to hear the end of it real quick. Okay. I'm trying to. I'm trying your to little, remember exactly. Special teaser treat you mentioned. Well, I I gotta say I was I I, I misspoke. I was thinking about the song that ends side B, not this one, which is also a very dark song about unchecked masculinity. So, um, but let's, let me just hear this. And if nothing happens, I'll just edit all of this out. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I really I really needed to hear that <laughs> guitar part at the end. And then a little little bit of echo on Joe saying Ow Wow Uh does that get do you think that's him getting shot with a bullet at the end? Yep, he was the uh diehard found his target. Joe Elliott, singer of Def Leopard. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the stirring conclusion inside two of Pyromania. Yeah, especially since he just got shot yeah. by uh, by um, Die Hard the Hunter, who's who's Die Hard and proud. Yeah. So we uh, so this was, has been the first. Uh, this has been side A of Pyromania. Uh, I think it's off to a great start. This is one of Jeff Leppard's many wonderful albums, uh, and yeah. I mean it, it. I think the first track actually is 
is one of their big uh, set openers for their live shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Photograph was, I think, was their first big hit after uh, Bring On the Heartbreak. Yeah. So I think it's time for us to wrap up and come back. Uh, come back in two weeks. I agree with that, Stuart. I've been Stuart Wellington. You can find me on my side project, the Flophouse Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at, at @flophousecat, and you can find me tending bar in Brooklyn, New York, at a place called Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. You work Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, Sundays and Mondays. Okay, I was one day off Jesus my my brain man are you okay tonight Alex my brain is functioning extraordinarily slowly right now um and I'm and I'm sorry I just uh been out of town doing some shows not getting a ton of sleep and then came back and had to do a whole bunch of work at my J-O-B today um and um and I guess I'm feeling a little beat down by the whole by the whole experience but um, but I love you guys and I'm glad that you listened to this episode. Uh, Pyromania is one of the true greats of rock and roll albums, um, <laughs> hard rock albums. Uh, it is the, it is the empire strike back strikes back or the Valkyrie of, um, uh, in terms of tone of the, it, it's the middle chapter of what I think is the greatest trilogy of albums in rock history. And so uh, please continue with us on this journey and have a wonderful night. My name is Alex Smith. I'm also I'm in a band called Lydia Burrell. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Lydia Burrell. Uh, you can watch my Howl Dottie videos on YouTube. Um, and uh, that's it. That's it for me. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Till Death Do Us Party. It's party! Thank, Thank you! you.